Hello everyone and welcome to the new episode of World Designer. Today with us is Johan Gradin, who is currently a lead designer at Ferlo. I'm very pleased to welcome you to our episode. Hi Marek, thank you. Thanks for, for being able to join. How are you? It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you. Likewise, it's uh, it's a real honor. It's uh, I'm really excited. It's a Friday, so the weekend is coming. So this is a perfect way to start uh, a nice weekend. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, I have some few words, a um, few information about you for our listeners um, to get you know better. Johan is a experienced graphic designer with a strong skills in brand identity, visual communication, print packaging, user-friendly web solutions, user experience, as well as project development in the fashion industry. Am I right? Yeah, that, that, sounds, uh, that sounds very descriptive and correct. I'm flattered. So, so yeah, that's definitely me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right, thank you. Um, in today's episode, um, you also will learn about um, other things. How does mathematics affect the work of the designer? Pros and costs of remote work in the design industry, what does the design stage look like in Italy and in Sweden, um, the work of a brand designer from the inside, what should the cooperation with the clients look like, um, decision and the consequences. So lots of interesting um, topics. Um, stay with us. Okay, let's begin. Um, first question to you, Johan. All right. What inspires you the most at the moment? In, is that a book, um, Instagram, uh, a movie, or maybe other people from your network, or maybe people from the past? Oh, that's a really good question. Uh, nice one. What inspires me the most? I would say what inspires me the most right now is, is in a way, it's egocentric, but I can give you a link. It's the perspective. So. My perspective of, of life in general and uh, during these last couple of years changed dramatically. So I, the way I view and the way I appreciate and the way I see life uh, inspires me a lot, I would have to say. Uh, in terms of people, uh, my grandfather was a very, very wise man. He inspires me a lot still to this day. And um, he, he had some very, very, very wise things to say uh, that I still remember and I cherish. In my professional career right now, um, the board of directors for Ferlo Company is a very old, experienced, experienced and worked for a very long time in, 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 uh, in the graphic design and brand industry. And she um, she um, inspires me a lot uh, in our talks whenever we whenever we talk. Basically, she helps me to see another side, the experience side, further beyond. Mm -hmm. I like this word further, going further. So, um, yeah, that's what's inspiring me at the, the moment. And uh, not in the moment like right now, but generally speaking, when I do design, at least this year, every month when I do something design. -based. Okay, that's, 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 that's amazing. Um, we had a, a short talk on the backstage, um, and you also did mention about Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> uh, oh, the Leonardo da Vinci, yeah. He's, that's, very, uh, he's a very interesting character. Um, yeah. Can you tell me more um, how he inspires you in this case? Leonardo da Vinci is, uh, that's my role model, basically, when it comes to design, thinking about uh, creating things, co-creating things. Um, so the synthesis of 
mathematics and design and creative arts, how do you make that work? And what kind of person is this? Generally, we talk about Renaissance people and Renaissance uh, men and women. But uh, yeah, so so I I align and I f I feel very strongly for this kind of character. Uh, so Leonardo da Vinci, I think, um, is uh, definitely one of my, uh, my one of my idols for sure. And that's something for the past, definitely. Uh, that I that I look and I can read and I can see the sketches and everything. It's, it's just amazing. So he was a quite complete person, right? I think he was he he was definitely onto something, and I think he let his life was probably very interesting in many ways. I would have to say, I think so. So can I say that um, you are that kind of person um, in modern age? I I like I like to believe that I am I am some, some something of a, a Renaissance person in the sense that I kind of. I'm very curious and learning new things and trying new things out. Mm -hmm. uh, like Leonardo da Vinci, he could go and do a sketch, do a painting, and then all of a sudden it's an engineering project. And then uh, how do you plan a city? And then like how do you fight disease? Or how do you study the human uh, body? Or and you know, it's 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 a plethora of, of things. So I, I'm really like that way. Like that way, I am curious in the same sense of everything. Great, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> Johan, can you can you tell me how did your adventure start with I mean how did your adventure with the design start? Right. So uh, in the beginning, I guess it's both started with my my parents, right? Uh, like for most of us. Uh, yes. But both of my parents are both architects, so they are architects and. I guess if you define architecture as a subdomain of, of general design, uh, you can you can you can call that design came kind of from there, and then it was always around when I was growing up. Uh, pens, papers, all kinds of tools, uh, how to do architecture, things of this nature. Um, but one day I got kind of sick of all the architecture. To be honest, I got <laughs> growing up, and you you become older, and you. You, you are on this journey and the story and all the mm -hmm. architecture fairs. And I, I started exploring my own way, my own way of doing design and things. So I started exploring more of drawing and using the pen in other ways than just drawing straight lines and, and houses and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I guess it was kind of a liberation from architecture and, and a liberation from your parents and your family, becoming your own identity and, and, and ego in a sense, right? As an own experience, um, finding your way, right? So. What uh, what was found, like from my perspective, was drawing, sketching, and graphic design. That's what I found. That well, this is something that I really, really enjoy. And uh, because of that, I got the drive to make a career out of it. And uh, I guess ultimately, uh, a drive to try different things all the time. Because like it's, it started with architecture, you got exposed. You could see all kinds of other things and museums. We went to museums and things. Mm -hmm. so getting exposed to all all these other things all the time. Uh, it made it okay to just try different things all the time. So that's yeah. where I am today. And um, I guess when it kicked into high gear was after my studies, I remember still today, is, uh, I studied, like you mentioned, in Italy. Uh, and it was the, the, the gift that I got from my teacher, uh, my favorite teacher, actually. Uh, he, he basically gave me a, a pen. Okay. And said, like, this is my gift to you. Uh, it's not 
like a, like a quote or anything. Uh, it's not like a chocolate cake or a beer or you know <laughs> or a gift card. It's just a pen, like a regular pen. And he said, "This uh, this is all you need." And then, so he was very sad, very kind of like you know ambiguous, like very interesting character in a way. Uh, Walter, his name was. Yes. And uh, he he gave me this pen, and uh, he said like you you only need the pen and you need the paper to sketch things on, and that's all you need to make a design because design is is an, is an intent to do something, and you do it with a pen and paper. And if you don't, you can always do it with the finger in the sand. Yes. So it's, it goes back to the simplicity of, of design. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, and when my adventures start on a professional level after that point. So that's, that's very interesting what you are saying. Um, so can I ask that, um, do you still going back to your roots? Um, I mean, please tell me what does, um, this means to be, because that's my another question. What does, what does this, uh, what does uh, this means to be a good designer? Um, in other words, do the tools define the designer or the designer define the tools? So uh, yeah, so the thing is that I think great designers in general or, 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 or good designers, if you want to find it like that, brand designers or any kind of designer, a characteristic that I find, in my experience at least, is that generally are good at using tools and tool sets to their advantage, right? So in the beginning, you have the outset find those things interesting because if you look at it from a higher perspective even so many of us humans today in the world uh, predominantly maybe the western world but also even the eastern world and all kinds over the world mm -hmm. are using already kind of tools for everything we are sort of going towards this world where we nowadays are already half human and half applications right applications yes. that help us in everyday life how am i going to use the subway or the the public transportation i have an app with my card or maybe how am I going to use what for any reason, right? You have apps and you have your basic human traits and apps are in a way tools to help us in everyday life to a large extent. So what is, what is, what is to say that these tools and tool sets uh, are, are necessarily a negative thing or something that we should be so diligent about, or we should be so egoistic to say that we are, are good as designer as we are. No, I mean, we need to use the tools and be comfortable and use many tools. And, and tools is not just like a pen or like the Figma or anything like that. I think the tools also kind of like as collaboration tools, like problem solving tools, mm -hmm. iteration tools. There are many, many, many tools that we can, that we can use as good or great designers or brand designers in general. So, um, so yeah. So, so uh, tools, is, they are just extending the, the um, possibilities, opportunities, right? Yes. You yes. move the design to the different level, but still going back to the roots, it's, it's what, what your teacher said, right? Yes, exactly. He's going back to that basic tool, that basic tool, because that basic tool is, is so powerful. It's one of those starting tools. So you can have a tool, right, for you go to the subway, right, and you, you want to go to use the app for activating your subway card and using the yeah. subway as a service. But that's a problem you're trying to solve. You're getting from A to B using a subway card and you pay for that. But solving a, a different problem, the beginning problem of any kind of design problem or intent of a design is, is, is in my experience, is very helpful to just use the basic first tool. So you can use and apply the tool that you, that you want and need mm -hmm. for the situation. So that basic first tool and the root tool, as you mentioned, the, the pen is, uh, 
is just super, super, super helpful. And I think too many of us, we, we, we are easy to forget about this. Sure. I just want to highlight that it actually exists. You can yeah. use it. It is a real tool. Don't be ashamed yeah. of using a pen and paper. People <laughs> might look at you funny and they might bring up their computers, right? But um, yeah. I, I feel it's okay to do it. Yes, that, 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 that's correct. Um, Johan, diving more, um, as, far as, as far as I know, um, you deal with the brand design. Can you tell us more what char characteristic do you think a good brand designer, on the other hand, should have? Not right. just a designer, but brand designer. Brand designer specifically. So um, I guess I can go and have a little story, story time here. Um, perhaps I can mention this one story that I have from, uh, I was involved in rebranding for one of the daughter companies of a company that I was art director for a couple of years back. So uh, basically this daughter company was a fashion company and their real intent as far as design was to get a, a brand design, was to get a fresh new look, something more with more spice, something that said more youthful, right? Because them as a fashion company didn't really meet their targets. They fought from, they found from user research and all kinds of research that they made, market research, that they, they wanted to try something different and be more youthful, more spicy, more, uh, how do you say it, have, have a more, um, more of an impact in their brand as far as when they communicated and marketed. And so in the beginning of this, when I, when I started being involved in this rebranding, I, I clearly stated actually to all of them and I clearly saw like they, they know they said these words, like when the first meetings were often like youthful, more spies. So yes. I said, it sounds to you like you, you want to take on more risk with your brand uh, if you put it on black and white. Like if you want to be more youthful, more spice, you want to add more risk to your brand. And yes. not have less risk. So you don't want to make it conservative or, or, or like as it was before. You want to add a little bit of risk and not play it as safe as you've been doing. And we all kind of aligned on these and like, yeah, that was a really good, uh, you know, that's basically what we kind of want to do. And, uh, everything was good and great. And the work commenced and we started experimenting and went back and forth with like everything, all of the properties of a rebrand that you can imagine, the colors mm -hmm. uh, and the font and, and everything, right? And then we came to choosing the fonts. And I came up with these ideas. I remember of these uh, youthful, really spicy fonts for this brand, this fashion brand. It was these uh, really crazy fonts that really was expressing a lot. Like they had all kinds of squiggly lines. They were not perfect. They were in your face. Uh -huh. They definitely said something uh, different. So I had all these examples um, that could be used to really hammer on the brand feeling of a, of a youthful kind of ex, a, a energetic, spicy brand, right? In the fashion company and the fashion business. Uh, and then all of a sudden, when we were talking about this, the, the discussions really got very, very cold, less warm and okay. less iterative. Yeah, because they obviously explain their fears. So you're afraid, right? It's too much. It's too bold. It's we, we can't really commit to this. It's It's really... It's too much, uh, I, and all kinds of things, I, all kinds of arguments we get. We get, uh, I don't like it. Find a new font, but we cannot commit to this. Um, and, and, and I believe one was like, yeah, it, 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 it costs money. Can we get a free font? There were all kinds of arguments, right? So they were went, scared of what? They were, they were too, they were like very, very scared, and they explained their fear. Like everything was very vanilla. Like 
from the colors we kept some of the colors we added some new we did all of this we added some new and we added some color we added some new no, new pictures we, we removed some old so uh, it was it was very simple really the rebranding and then it came to the font and i said we have to do something here and i really felt strongly about this like how are you going to actually if you want to take on risk and you want to be useful how do you express that and with the, the with the with the branding that we actually found that we actually solid solidified the font made total sense to me and i said and they they were obviously afraid um and i got all the stock campus for, for not solving the intended problem the intended problem being we want to be more youthful um so we sat down again and i brought up the the real intent of the design from the beginning and also mm-hmm. highlighting the clear facts that you cannot get the 90 percent gain that you want with 10 percent of the risk yes. usually and in design, when we talk about a lot of other things, we talk about very realistically. I take on more risk. Uh, I I I I have to you know I have to expect more 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 gain. Like if you buy a financial asset or anything, and it it's not very different in design. And I would I would argue it's kind of even more relevant. So in the sense of that, you I said basically like the hypothesis from the beginning. You if you want lower risk. You can get something out faster. If you want higher risk, you can get something out slower, like we are doing right now. But what is it that you truly want? You want to be have something new, have something that is useful, etc. Mm-hmm. After a few rounds, we finally aligned on this uh, and uh, aligned on this uh, new new bold typeface. Uh, it's this new new crazy bold uh, typeface, really. And uh, Eight years later now, it's been eight years since uh, since we did this rebrand, and this is the only thing that remains of the current brand. The only thing that remains of their brand now that was that from what we did from the beginning is this is this uh, bold, very energetic, youthful uh, typeface. So, I think the, in this story, I remember it and I, I kind of bring it up because the characteristic of a good brand designer has has some key elements here. One of them is, I think, trying to figure out what the intent is and clearly stating it in terms of risk. Because if, if you can figure those things out, it makes it much, much easier to get a buy-in on the things that really needs to happen for, all of, for, for it to, to really be, have the impact that you want it to have. Because if you, can, if you only reframe it as, I don't like it, I don't feel anything about it, then you're not going to get anywhere because it's just a subjective, kind of very easy to, 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 to deflate argument. But then when you bring in risk into the whole thing, it becomes very palpable. People have always... A relationship to risk, and I think it's very important that designers uh, think about these things as well. So a great, a, a, a great characteristic of a brand designer is, is bringing up this, and also the other part of this story. I think is I would have to say thinking about something as safe, or if it feels generally pretty good or safe, then it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. If you feel this way, you probably need to do ten or twenty more variants of prototypes. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I might come back to this later because this is a very important point. But uh, I think this is uh, very key. So it's it's both finding the, the the way to kind of make it palpable for 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 the management of who you are trying to do the design for, but also standing your ground and actually like making sure that they understand the process of like it's. If it's good or safe enough, then it's probably not good enough. It's probably not great enough. 
I mean, it's, it's definitely not great enough. It's probably not good enough. Even. So we, we need to do more. Need to do it's more. just we, as good as, as the rest, right? So it's nothing unique. There you go. You put it perfectly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you've done a great product, right? Great design, which is timeless. Yeah, yeah. I guess in a way, like eight years is uh, is, a, is a long time. So I, I'm still quite impressed by that, actually. It is. It is nowadays seven, eight years. It's something amazing. So there's not many brands um, who keep the brand, the logo, the product, um, so many years untouched. So mm, exactly. And bear in mind, they change the colors, they change the logo, they change the, everything else about the brand, but except the font, which was the thing that I'm highlighting. <laughs> so it goes to it goes to show you that it's 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 not there is very much something to this uh, and you should not be afraid because uh, th when I when I if I were to talk to them right now and when I talked to them before uh, they are still happy with this font and this mm -hmm. is something that they're very much in love with. So, mm -hmm. so to be good to reach further, take a risk, right? That's that's the words and yep. try. Try experiment, experiment with um, something unusual. Don't follow the, the, the group. Yes, for sure. So, um, because that's, that's very interesting. And um, so, should the, so my, my question also related to that um, is um, should the product um, you design evoke emotions? Because it did probably in that time, for sure. But mm -hmm. is it still? And how to do that to ah. evoke emotions? Um, in the day where, where you create it, if so, yeah. and also to keep it uh, for a longer you know, time period. Exactly. So a product uh, evoking emotions when you are designing a product, I think also this is a place where you might want to also take a step back as a designer and think, mm -hmm. what or who am I designing for here? What is the intent of the design? It's not explicitly warranted that any design should evoke emotion. But for instance, in this case, the story that I mentioned, when you want to create a youthful emotion or an emotion of something spicy, you really want to evoke emotion. Mm -hmm. In all instances, it's not, it's not always true. And I think a designer who might go and try to evoke emotions all over the place every time uh, might not always do, might find more difficulty than necessary, perhaps. Let's put it like that. Because mm -hmm. if it's not explicitly warranted, for instance, it depends also how, how you define emotions in a sense. But if I look at it like it just has to evoke any emotion. For instance, if you, if you, if you set up to design an app for, I don't know, declaring income with various or many intricate tax rebate rules targeted towards a very specific use case of professionals that, that work with these kind of income tax debate, rebate declaration apps, basically. Uh -huh. It might not be the best place in the world to start adding like delight, emotions, uh, cool animations, and yes. so forth, right? So in some products, pure functionality without evoking an, uh, a lot of emotions might might be the right path to choose. You can also argue that such a product with very 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 pure functionality, yes, the emotion the emotion that you evoke is simplicity and, and functionality. So uh, either way, you 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 you, you kind of uh, you go with some kind of emotion. But uh, 
So it, it is not just what it looks and feels like. It is it is how it works. I think I don't know if Steve Jobs said that, but I think so. <laughs> but it really, it's 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 true. It's not evoking it like it's a if it's a fashion thing to evoke an emotion as a designer. Like I have to in every kind of thing that I do, feature product uh, illustration. Like I have to evoke an emotion. That doesn't necessarily need to be true. Um, you might want to take a step back and think. What is the intent of the design and who am I designing for here? That's the first step. And then emotions might definitely be something very, very important. Yeah, but with the different level. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> we provided with the different level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you have an application that's based on, I don't know, meditation, for instance, there's a lot of meditations apps uh, yeah. nowadays and, and they're very interesting and it's very nice. You don't want something that evokes ah, so much emotion. Probably. I don't know. You might yeah, want something which, to call me. Which is like evoking an emotion of calmness, right? But uh, it's yeah, a different type. Different types of emotions. So 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 I guess in a sense, should a product design evoke emotions? Yes and no, but uh, take a step back and think about what kind of emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So create. So it's more mm -hmm. about um, um, creating an emotion which will suit the, the, the function which is which it is addressed to, right? So like yeah. you said, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. I think that's uh, that's a good way to look at it. That's very, very, very interesting um, answer. Thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, um, Johan, staying with the business, what should cooperation with clients look like from your point of view? Because you you work that many many years here, and mm -hmm. um, yeah. this is very delicate topic if may say like that <laughs> yeah i agree i agree and this is something that a uh, corporation with clients is uh, a lot of people will have a lot of different views and my general feeling when it comes to designers and, and corporation with clients some and many questions might be construed as they have a negative connotation it's difficult it's it's always uh, management don't understand or, or tech don't understand or i can't get a lot like there's there, there's a lot of these feelings so so that's might might be why uh, these uh -huh. questions raise a lot of emotion yes but uh in general i think design i mean doing something with intent uh in design is something that's really good to think about like how how to do something with intent that's that that is design and, and that's a pretty wide scope so that doesn't really mean that much when you try to apply it in your regular everyday design. But I think intent is also a very good thing to think about uh, incorporation and the start of incorporation, right? So mm -hmm. uh, again, again, I think it also, it is helpful to think about it in terms of equations, like lower risk equals faster in the sense of like development, like you, you probably intimately know, right? like lower risk, if yes. you do something faster and ship it faster, you probably have lower risk of, um, all kinds of uh, things and factors that might impede. Mm -hmm. um, in in a sense, in the in the same sense, you can kind of take that to cooperating with clients. It's always very helpful to uh, think about visualizing the process a bit uh, to make sure that the clients understand that this is what we can make for the risk they are willing to take. And for the higher risk, we can always go deeper and add all of the bells and whistles, so to speak, like all of the amazing fancy things. But it's, it's that cooperation and communication with the client and visualizing that process and saying like, hey, 
you know, we can, uh, for lower risk, we can do it faster. For higher risk, it is slower. So what do you really want to do here? Like it's, 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 you can, you can always bring it back to this kind of uh, co cooperating with all kinds of clients, but mainly management, I would, I would say, and, and tech, so in, in a language that's relatable. So you start with something low risk and fast, things of very low fidelity yes. and, and granularity, and you focus on that part. You focus your iteration on that part. So that's what you should start doing in a corporation with clients from my point of view. And then as you add later on in a process, you can then show that what it can and might look like when it's fully, fully scoped with all the amazing sparkles and illustrations, right? And all the fidelity. But in the, in, in, in the beginning, you, you really want to establish this framework and you really want to hammer on this point of making a client or cooperating with any kind of stakeholder, bring them into the process and visualize it for them a little bit. Because then it makes it makes it much 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 easier uh, to to cooperation with clients. I I believe. So I, I, I listening to you. I have a two dimensions and two questions here. Mm. One, just listening what what you have said, what you just said is like a uh, starting with something easy, low risk. is like a building relation with the client, the trust, mm. right? Yeah, um, I think. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> so it's like a, right. like a dating with the with the second person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. so um, so that's the one part. It's more about the trust. And the second, um, it might be related also from my experience, um, the size of the client who you work with, mm. because from my experience, it is easier to take higher risk. With the startup company, low company, I mean small companies, comparing to the huge who has um, rooted brands in the on the earth, how, how it looks from your, I don't know, experience. Yeah, I think you you're absolutely right there. There's like the the, the large, the largeness of the the, the, the company. I um, I uh, I've been working in both kinds of of, uh, of situations, and I I. Uh, in generally speaking, you can move very fast in in, uh, in smaller companies, and it takes a lot longer in, in, in larger companies. Uh -huh. By my general definition, there from the starting from the beginning, since I like equations, uh, if you do something fast, you have lower risk. If you do something slow, you have higher risk. So by definition, bigger organizations take on higher risk when it comes to design, and startups take up much 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 lower risk when it comes to design. In generally speaking, all kinds of cooperation and developments. So it becomes much 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 more important for for larger corporations to succeed, that that function is very, very, you, you, you patch it on with all kinds of titles, rules, and, and, and regulatory controls and functions to make that function actually work. But in reality, there's no way of getting around uh, fast equals low risk, slow equals high risk. So uh, that's, that's, that's also coloring because uh, I've I worked in, in big corp and, and startups, and I prefer to work in like smaller, smaller companies, startups, scale-ups, uh, bringing something to life from the beginning. So, uh, but there you go. It's it's it's, it's my point of view in, in when it comes to that. I think. So can can you give us um, some tips and tricks how to convince organizations to take a higher risk? Oh, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a, a really really good one. Um, convincing companies to take higher risk and to do something faster. I think. It's not. It's not so. It's not so difficult once you put it on black and white like that. And in my experience, I found it very easy, and I found it very 
like the way you show the thing, like you, you show you show a wireframe on this. This is low risk. We should we should make sure that this is done very well first, and then we can do the high risk stuff, and then you can start painting all the stuff on. But uh, like if 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 you're for instance if you're for instance the only designer uh, at a company. Uh, how do you like convince the company of the value of doing something, the value of design, doing something uh, low risk or like uh, fast or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 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 uh, it's very it's, it's very illustrative or very instructive to uh, for the That's designer, cool. yeah, to, to design it to scale themselves and see more than the pretty pixels and just involve in the process, right? Uh, to see the value of of all the things of the of the user research mm-hmm. and actually surprisingly getting out and talking to users and customers. Uh, most companies don't do that. Um, so like mapping out like what is good and bad in, in all in the entire flow, the entire design that you're working on. And then, and if you, if you, if you can do and map out that uh, the good and bad and the ups and downs, like where the customers are liking things, not liking things, you, you, you have meetings with your stakeholders and the company, uh, if, you, if you can't, if they, they don't like that, they, then we probably you might want to think about a different company maybe like that mm-hmm. appreciates design actually because that's also always on the in, in, in the ballpark. Like we should not, uh, as designer, I think we we definitely have the mandate to to be assertive here. Like mm-hmm. for sure, you, you if you, if they don't uh, mature enough in the design, like there's plenty of companies out there now. Fairloaf for one, or like the company the companies that I work with that I like. Uh, have all been like try to be mature design companies. Mm-hmm. So it's similar. So it's similar. Like like for me, I'm I'm the tech lead also. Mm-hmm. My so, um, software agency is one part, but I'm also I, I'm I'm the tech lead um, in some projects. And it's not like a discussion with the clients. It's not about the risk, but the, the effort which they can spend at the beginning. Um, I don't develop um, when you develop the product. Um, when you make it um, real, so you have a few options like a. You can build monolith with um, at the beginning is easier, quicker to deliver. Yep. But um, I always try to discuss and and understand the needs of the client. Uh, if you want to, you know, um, extend it in the in the long future, um, it would be go- better to go with some I don't know um, microservice approach um, than you know having that as a monolith. So it's like a, also negotiation uh, with the client. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And they 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 it's it's like. You just have to get down and get into it to to learn. Like the tips and tricks there is just start bringing up the concept of like, yeah, I'm doing this. This is low risk design and this is high risk. And then you yeah, then you correlate it to exactly what you say, like because the management and every kind of client is going to be very comfortable with the world of tech. So they're going to be yeah. very they're going to know like the things that you mentioned. Like we want to we want to start building a monolith because it's very low risk. And then uh, maybe you want to start like. You know, uh, doing it more like microservice, uh, cloud-based. I don't know, and then yes. that that's that's a lot higher risk. It's a lot more cost. Uh, yes. So, so like, uh, they're going to be very comfortable with the generally speaking with this kind of like notion of low risk, high risk, and just just put put them put them through put them through that like visualization. Like it's 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 pretty it's pretty easy. I I, I would say it's not it's not uh, it's not rocket science. And then if you find out like things like Clients that come to me like, yeah, but I have another designer and he did all the designs like perfectly from day one. And I said like, great, how did that work out? He's not here. Like, you know, kind of, you can talk about it. Like, you can hire that designer for sure. Go with that. But mm-hmm. yeah, like it, it's not going to be something for me. And I know that the value ultimately is not is not greater from that. 
And so something more unique, more um, risky will benefit in the long term. Mm. I think that's the, that's the, that's the summary of, of this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, great. Um, some questions from the different um, category. You work mm. in Sweden sure. uh, on a daily basis, uh, yes. but you also have experience working in Italy. Yeah. Um, uh, these two markets differ from each other and how does it look um, from your experience? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, yeah, it's true. I worked in Italy. Um, I worked in Italy directly after I finished uh, design and communication school there. So I was a junior designer. Uh, so that's the beginning. I, I came out as a junior designer. Reflecting back on, on uh, how markets and ways of working were, were a bit different then. Um, this was in 2010, 2011, 2010-11. Uh, I would say each market differs significantly. Uh, the way work gets done, communication, etc. In my experience, it was more hierarch hierarchical in uh -huh. Italy versus Sweden. So there was a clear uh, hierarchy and, and, and ways of working in terms of Italy versus Sweden. In terms of quality and feel of design, though, to make this like uh, more more balanced, I think uh, I should say that Italy has a deeper history and respect for arts or crafts in general. They have thought about this way, way, way more. I mean, have the time and the, and the, and the, and the resource to think about this. Uh, I mean, all of the great paintings are from it. Like, so many great paintings are from Italy. So many great artists. Like, there's there's a lot of history. Uh -huh. uh, so, so partly, I'm partly also colored by the fact that I worked in, in Firenze in Florence, which is one of the, like the Renaissance city and it's, it's beautiful. Yes, yeah, very yeah. beautiful. It's, it has the architecture. It has the, the art. It has everything that, that when it comes to creativity, like music, it has so many things. And I also worked there before the European debt crisis. So it was more static labor markets. Uh -huh. So in terms of that, it was different. So there was a lot of va variables there that was very specific to the time when I was working. And uh, right, I, I I wanted to move back to Sweden because it was more difficult for me to make a like a savings, like a life back then in Italy. It was mm -hmm. very difficult. I was a junior designer. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was I was just doing a lot of work. Uh, I was introducing all these crazy new kind of cool things to the companies that I was working for, three D rendering, modeling, all kinds of concepts. And it was really good, but it was difficult still to to save and make a future and a living and uh, i mean back then i think designers would work in italy the same place for kind of a lifetime for long times you know uh -huh. and so they would be very static and these things change rapidly and i think today uh it, it has probably changed a lot so uh, I, I i don't really want to say that i learned so much from that time spent in designing uh, the, the Italian way and the South European way of working creatively is, is helped me a lot in my career. Not only from like an exoticness kind of perspective, but also from actually like how to think about the design and design process. Like mm -hmm. this is my teacher inspiration, like starting with the pen. There's many, many, many other stories. Yes. Uh, so yeah. Uh, so that's my from my experience. They, they market they, they, these markets are very, very different, and uh, I would say both have their pros and cons uh, to be very very super diplomatic about it for sure yes would you would you go back to the italy i would never go back to italy working uh because 
I, I'm, I would never say never, like that's probably a bad thing to say, but I wouldn't go back partly because of this. I have, I have a very good, uh, there's a very good opportunities in Sweden for startups, for working in design, for doing all kinds of uh, tech related uh, things that I find very, very interesting right now in my career. The only thing that would make me go back to Italy probably would be to be head of design for like a big fashion house just to try it. Cause I uh-huh. haven't tried, I haven't tried that, but I, I, I don't see that would be very difficult. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I would probably not go back to, to Italy to work. I'm very, very comfortable in Sweden and, uh, I, I work with, you know, Italian, Spanish and Greek people all the time remotely. So I, for instance, at our company, we have developers in Greece. And we work with yes. Them. So you always can work with people and, and experience like everyone. that way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the flexibility. So this, yeah, exactly. this is also good what um, that you are mentioning because that that COVID um, you know did mm. change the way how we work. Um, it shifted the 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 way how we work to the different level, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, and I would like to ask you that: um, Do you work remotely? Um, does it have any impact um, on the quality of, of of your work, communication, or, or decisions? And what are the pros and cons cons um, of working remotely. Yes, uh, yes, I do work remotely. I am very much open to to working remotely or, or not remotely. Uh, so, so for instance, right now uh, at the company I currently work at, it's uh, remote every day, basically. And for me, I do notice something though when it comes to design specifically and working remotely is. Um, I think there are two two sides of the sides of the of the tree here, so to speak, or two of the leaf. Uh, for me, notice I notice that speed and decisions, and communication, and solving misunderstandings, I would say, mm-hmm. is faster when not working remotely. So you yes. can sit right next to the CTO and you can ask him a question, and then you get the design that you bought in your mind instantly from a data point or whatever, or you talk to a product person. So decisions and speed of decisions and speed of communication and misunderstandings, you can hash out very, very, very quickly if you're mm-hmm. right next to that person physically. Um, but the time to focus and context switching is much, much, much faster when you're working remotely. So you have time and the ability to focus and not switch context. Yes. When you're when you're working next to someone and in an office and there's many distractions, these things do take you out of context and they do take a shift from your focus. So it depends on if you want to be on like a maker's schedule or on a uh, manager's schedule, so to speak. Uh, so I, I say that both of these kind of, they have pros and cons working. Uh, so how they impact uh, things like these are, are, are they, they actually do. It just, I think you can tailor it around that. But in general, I would say I, I prefer like, I don't, it's not a big issue in my opinion. It's just like pros and cons. So uh, for me, it's not one of those things that I get very hung up on. It's, it's a very small percentage of things that I think about in, in my day to day work. And mm-hmm. I notice so much, uh, 
yeah, we're remote first, or there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of a lot of packaging, a lot of push on this uh, remoteness factor. Yes, but in my in my experience, at least for me, uh, it's 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 a very very minor issue in my opinion. For me, it's, uh, they have pros and cons, and uh, from my perspective, and, and that's about it. Uh, I'm open and uh, to to both of them. So, Johan, how to combine both? Just tell me that because this is this is I'm I, I totally agree with you because the the working remotely, uh, as you said, yeah, there's less distractors, right? So you can focus on your daily tasks. Exactly. But on the other hand, the the relationship with the people, they are not as good as when you sit next to each other, shake the hands, um, have a coffee together, you know, because we just spend the time. Um, because yeah. we are uh, the humans, they are the group animals, right? Let's be honest. Yeah, we are tribe, right? How to combine these two? The, the only thing which comes to my mind is I'm, I'm just looking for someone who will um, invent the I don't know how to call this technology from the Star Trek where you can transfer from one place to, to, to another. Yeah, the, tele- the teleportation, yes. Teleportation, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, if you can solve that, I, I want to know how can I invest in your company, Mark? <laughs> where can I sign up for, for giving you money? <laughs> yes, for that. Um, yeah, you are a very interesting person um, with a very interesting combination of the talents and educations on one hand you are a designer and on the other hand you have a math educations um, how does the mathematic affect the work of a designer oh yeah nice uh, nice segue question actually uh, it does affect me i would say in the terms of i it doesn't really have me calculate pixels faster or anything like that or, or, or do any Obviously. kind of breakpoints uh, quicker because the, the, the tools are pretty good at doing things. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that the one thing that it has helped me and affected my work as a designer is to keep things simple and logical. And what I really mean by that is learning to appreciate the beauty of this informal mathematics because, uh, again, like the, the simple and logical things help you to kind of create the tools like i mentioned way way back earlier these tools that we need you are half human half tools like you're half human half app today you're you're half designer and half part of your our tools right to become this kind of super designer so keeping things simple and logical like a low risk equals fast that's a logical statement right if you if you believe that this is true uh, and you try that hypothesis you can figure it out for yourself uh, tools like this to communicate and align intent of design with stakeholders. I mean, as well as trying to different things in, in products. And I think just a, just a re, re, like just a general interest of mathematics and statistics in design is also helpful in the sense that you want to do user research on your own. You want to uh, calculate. You want to find the metrics that are relevant. You can read a blog post until your eyes are are are, are sleepy. Of user research, how you do research, what tool, how do you balance? It is so much stuff. There's so much information. But if you have a mathematics kind of lens, a statistics lens, it makes it a lot easier to think. Okay, I'm making these UX screens, and what do I want to measure? Like, how do I measure it? Do I want to do it uh, on a window function? Do I want to calculate the percentage? What is my boss probably going to ask about? Like, he's probably going to ask about the conversion rate, but he might want to have this and that and third. 
So it empowers you a lot uh, and it helps you stay on your toes and it helps you kind of get that other perspective that, that, that others might not have. And mathematics is one way. Uh, design, you know, go and learn biology and use nature in design. That That's mm-hmm. probably even better than mathematics, to be honest. If, uh-huh. you can, if you can enhance, you can use biology and the way nature works in your design. Oh, that would be super interesting. I would actually want to meet that person. <laughs> so my question is does this mean you want to um, start another study <laughs> <laughs> yeah you yeah maybe i would i don't know maybe we can have a we can have another uh, session a couple of a year or two and i probably started biology maybe. okay so, <laughs> so 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 the mathematic makes you does um does the mathematic makes you better designer i mean you can probably design something with I'm better conscious. It does make me a better designer in terms of as the profession, not as in terms of making more beautiful designs and pixels. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect. It makes me better designer, I think, in the terms of that I can keep things simple and logical, UX wise, mm-hmm. and, and finding out little ways of looking, perspectives of looking at things and communicating and aligning intent of design mm-hmm. and stakeholders, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So great. Thank you. Great. <laughs> um, Johan, after many years um, in business, um, what do you feel best in? In making decisions of, or um, maybe in something else like a transferring your knowledge uh, and experience or managing a team? Because you have many, many years, you are many, yeah. many years in this business. Yeah. So what's changed over this, this whole time? Yeah, I, it's it, it's changed recently. So naturally, grow you grow and you want to like kind of move from from helping young people starting their career in brand design and then design perhaps. And I think I don't think I have tips specifically to become a better at any age. If you want to start at any age in brand or design, any specific tips. But I, I do feel like I I am at this. I'm at this point where I'm trying to help. I'm trying to build design teams. I'm trying to to do this. I'm doing it actively here at uh, the company I'm currently working at and the company before. And uh, yeah, building up design teams from 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 zero to one is is extremely interesting. Uh, and it's it's very challenging. It's very it's very interesting and challenging because you you get to deal with this whole that other dimension, like the management dimension of everything. And it comes. It, it's the next level of of doing design. And I think doing that, the challenge, I like, to, I like to look at it in a way like I'm not, I'm not a big drinker in a way, but like it's, it's kind of like you're mixing up a cocktail in a sense. You're yes. trying to find like how do you make a great vodka martini or some kind of cocktail. Uh-huh. Apologies to all the, all the non-alcoholics out there. But <laughs> basically, you want to mix it in a way with other kinds of like you want to take the liquids and the things that you, the ingredients and mix them in a way that it makes sense and it's very delectable and tasteful. Uh, so I think of building teams like that. Like, how do you find the right mix? Because you have different kinds of people with different kinds of ways of doing things. Some mm-hmm. are extrovert, introverts. Some are like it's 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 all about getting that cocktail right, and that's uh, that's very interesting to me. And difficult, I would say. It's a challenge. It's a it challenge. is. It is. It's a, it's a very it's a very big challenge. <laughs> it is. This is what I'm challenging here in the in the building a company. Well, yeah. So how, to, how to find the people who will. Um, fit into the team and also 
bring a, a new expertise, right? Um, specialization. Um, so that's, yeah, it's, it's very challenging, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah, it is, but it's, it's, it's what drives us. Like, uh, one, like, way of looking at it is that, like, like I have not much of a choice. Like, it's, it's what I love to, like, it's what drives me. It's what I do. It seems like a great thing to do, so I just do it. Yeah, but it will, it will gratify you in the longer term, for sure. Exactly. So this exactly. is also what I have learned, that um, hmm. it's nothing better than after, you know, some time, um, you look at at the work which you've done in this case a team, and it works. It works well, and it can produce. There's no any um, limitation for them. So that's that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I definitely agree. So thanks that we are leaders, right? And we have opportunity to 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 to, to be where we are. Agree. Thanks. Um, I have a few more questions. Two more questions. Free, mm-hmm. maybe um, of course sure. about the projects maybe uh, let's you, you did say uh, you already said about the um, the, the project uh, the fashion project and mm-hmm. also I would like to ask you about the different project which is quite unique because um, there's not many here on, um, nowadays um, mm-hmm. you work on the, the rebranding of the organization on its um, hundred jubilee um, it, it must be very interesting and can you mm-hmm. tell me more um, what was interesting for you there? What was the challenge? And does it happen often? Oh, that one, yeah. That's a really nice flashback. It's It was a really nice opportunity to get uh, this, uh, working on the rebranding of this 100th Jubilee. Uh, it was a challenge, as you mentioned. Learning about the history of this Jubilee. So I should mention it's a technical organization, technical association, you can call it organization. So. What that means is that it's um, it's this organization in a, in a town or in a city close to Stockholm that uh, has been around for a hundred years, and uh, what they do is they engage in in, in nurturing and, and working in technical issues like tech, basically. And tech in nineteen nineteen ten or nineteen twenty, tech was you build a machine that creates a, a car, and today tech is you build a code code base. You build a monolith or, or, or a cloud, cloud yeah. formation or something. I don't know. <laughs> so it's, cha- it's changed dramatically, right? So, so learning about the history and the like, anima of the organization, the spirits, uh, was very interesting. It has a long, long, proud heritage. But in terms of scope, really, it was quite full. It's a logo and a website. It has the envelopes, uh, static work, colors, fonts, book design, and so forth. Um, so... They really wanted to, to rebrand like all as much as they could. Uh, they had a they had a they had a vision of what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. and uh, we talked about that on a strategic level also. And it was very very fulfilling. I have to say on a story level to go through all of these things and stories that that we I found from like looking at like stories really like go through like these old guys on the board of the technical association. These directors talking, talking to them, and and, and talking with them, uh, and taking them on the journey of hundred years. How I perceive it from my eyes, and yeah. because it, it's 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 and then sharing and co-creating from from that, basically fi- finding out that there's a lot of times where there were quite radical, big personalities, fascinating stories and technical development during these last hundred years. That I thought, you know, there's definitely something here, like. 
we don't have technical associations. It's how do you get inspiration? What do you want to highlight? And I think like the people of this organization that really made it into what it is today, that kept it, that, that paid the every, every, every monthly fee that you pay to be in this organization. They were there. They were doing work. They were being on the board. They were doing technical work. They were working in big factories all their lives. Like, you know, highlighting that. And that was really, that was really nice to, to be able to work on that. Uh, mm-hmm. in the, from that lens, for sure. So that's at least one thing that I think is uh, uh, super interesting about a project like that. It doesn't come around. Like, it's, it's very, very unique in a sense. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so I'm fortunate to, to be able to have done that. And very analog. Yes, very, 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 very. And it's uh, as, as much as it was building a website, they, I, I could do basically what I wanted. They, they just like, we want a website. And it was, it was free hands. There was nothing there. Um, so so <laughs> the, 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 the challenging part was like the, strat- the strategy part of it. Like, how do we, how do we align all of, of the guys who are, are in, guys and girls who are in this organization to like, what do we want to, what do we want the, the intent of this rebranding to be? Like you go, Klarna goes with an intent of everything should be smooth and pink. And uh, you have another company, McDonald's. It's, it's I'm loving it, and it's red and, and, and yellow. And it's yes. Green. And so, so what is the intent? Like I'm, I try to keep it as high level. And I think we found it. Like the, the intent of the hundredth jubilee of this technical organization was uh, people. Like it was the people of the organization. So it's like a. Um, taking people from 19th to 20th century, 21, 21st now. Yeah, it's like trying to take you on a story, like yeah, of, of, of the entire life yeah. cycle. Yeah, that's interesting. Super, super unique. So um, after this story, um, can I ask you what um, companies do you prefer to work with with this huge um, heritage or more like a startups? You did uh, mention that. Probably startups, but I would like to hear it once again from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good question. Like if it's a something that's a, a new brand or or something that's already established. I think in uh, in the beginning, I really really enjoyed working in bigger corporations and bigger structures. Uh, so learning learning a lot in the first years so of three and four years that I worked, and uh, after that you realize and you think about things and you realize that there's really no there's really no teacher out there but yourself so you can then gravitate towards tech and smaller new businesses yeah. you can gravitate to medium-sized businesses and uh, for one reason or another i think i always I always seem to have seem to have the the, the, the nature and the, the drive to take something from zero to one but not necessarily from one to hundred uh so that might sound strange in a way, like why wouldn't you want to take it from one to hundred if you get ninety-nine? Yeah. But it's a completely different, it's a completely different beast, a completely different animal, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's something that it, it's rooted in people's mind. It's, it's like it doesn't really. I think it's like a little bit overrated. I, it doesn't interest me much actually. Like it's. Seeming to take something from one to hundred, and like might seem nice and great, like working at a big, but that that never. I thought that after a while of working, I thought it was kind of overrated. So I do enjoy the the, the do taking something from zero to one. Like uh, it's is super interesting. Like learning, learning, always yeah. learning, always going further. 
So it's like a working working with, with startups. So also I, I do benefits from that as well. So mm-hmm. it's like a building something from from scratch. You learn a lot from the people. You learn yeah. um, how the people think. Um, um, and yeah, you are building that together from scratches. So you are father or mother <laughs> <laughs> of the success of both. <laughs> exactly. And, and as you mentioned, it's, it's nothing, nothing better than like when you're doing something from zero to one and trying to, try, trying to bring something to life, you, you, you get put like you, you get put on the spot a lot. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you learn so much from, from failing in that zero to one, but from one to hundred, it's, it's not the same thing. No, it's not no. the same. It's not the same kind of thing because you you can always go back to one. Yes, um, but so not here. Yeah, so so it's um, it's a different beast. Entirely. There, there's a there's a book by the way also zero to one. I don't know. Have you have you read it? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I do. Peter Peter Thiel zero to one. Yeah, it's, it's a very yes. very yes. famous great book. I, I I do really think Peter Thiel is, is a great uh, great yeah. entrepreneur as well. Very interesting. I did learn a lot from from this one also. Um, which yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can, you know, um, take it and, and apply to my um, life, my company. So that's very interesting. Another uh, great tool. Another great tool. <laughs> yes, it is. It is indeed. <laughs> um, Johan, as a mentor, do you have any tips for young people who want to start their career uh, in a brand design as a designer? Mm, yes. Um, as a brand designer or as a designer generally, I think like, I think I mentioned and I, I like to say that I, I don't generally have any tips, but I think I have a perspective, like a way of looking at it. Uh-huh. A tip, a tip or, a, or, a, or, a, or a saying would be, uh, would not teach, teach you that much maybe, but maybe a way of looking at it is, is interesting, another perspective. So I think, Perhaps this statement might like that I always like to bring up is I if you if you if you walk around and spend your time like in a in a forest or in in a place like where there's mm-hmm. a lot of trees and stuff like you walk around in, in there but you want to know and you know that you have the capacity to be in the watchtower so you walk around in the forest and and you know there's a watchtower somewhere that goes above the trees since you can see all of the trees, the entire forest. Mm-hmm. So you want to be there and you know, you have the capacity. Uh, and that's great. A young person and a designer in a career. And that's why I define a career, right? You, you aim to be in the watchtower. So your career as a brand designer and a designer is ultimately to, to grow your career and to climb up into that watchtower. Mm-hmm. So then First, before you even get to the watchtower, you really have to spend some time in the forest, right? You have, yeah, to, find you have to find the path, you have to find the yes. ladder, you have to climb it. Uh-huh. And, and so what does that look like, really? Well, from a design lens, I think it looks a lot like solutions to design problems that generally feels great and safe. Like I think I mentioned this before, uh, is not all that good enough. And it comes, mm-hmm. ties back into this risk aspect of everything. Like if you feel this way about a design, like I, I made a design, it generally feels pretty great. It feels pretty safe. I'm safe with this design. It, it's very bulletproof. This UX flow is amazing. This UI is crisp. If you feel that way, it's not good enough. And it's definitely not great enough. Yeah. Think, if you have that perspective, I'm not saying to you that it is like that, but if you can, if you can grow this perspective, right? If you can think about it that way, 
And if you can then do 10 or 20 more new variants or prototypes and explore how it is when it's not safe and it's not great, then you might find something great enough. And I think maybe that's sort of equal to how many steps you need to take in the forest or how many ladders you need to climb in order to get to the watchtower. Because yeah. those 10 or 20 prototypes, if you do that enough, you will do more steps. You will do more climbing of ladders. And it doesn't really necessarily look like you have to just do more hard work to become a better brand designer and designer. But it, improving your career, there is parts of that that is not to ignore. So I like this parable of kind of like, what, as a young designer, as a brand designer, like I was way back in Italy, I was walking around in a forest and I, there was like these leaves and everything was pretty nice. And then you kind of like, mm -hmm. how do I get up in the watchtower and see, you know, like what's around me? How do I see outside of the forest? And then yeah. you, 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 I think from a design lens, thinking about how you can take something safe and make it unsafe and make it great. That's that's a key to going to the next ladder, and then before you know it, you're in the watchtower and like, oh, I guess I'm here now. <laughs> that's that's really um, very good um, brief, right? Summary. Yeah. I think that this is very universal, and also it, it can be applied to to um, every aspect of our life. <laughs> I think so too. Yeah, very maybe 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 it has a universal touch to it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, last question to you. If you would interview yourself, what you would like to ask yourself that um, I didn't? Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the most difficult one for the end. <laughs> saving, saving the most difficult for the last. I like it. It's yeah. It's good. Ah, oh, yeah. What would I ask myself? Uh, from, um, from a life perspective, since I have a very different life perspective, uh, yes. in that it is only one thing, that I believe that exists is something that's uh, consciousness. So in that way, if I could step in your shoes, your shoes are my shoes, so I'm already in your shoes. But mm -hmm. uh, that's a whole different subject, a different rabbit hole. We don't we shouldn't go down into that rabbit hole. Obviously, yeah. But if you want to keep it on a design-specific level here, uh, I would probably ask, and I, I I get asked this a lot from from other like. Not a lot, but I, I have get asked this recently, actually. Also, if I'm like, so if, if I'm if I'm if there's only one designer at a company, like if you if you go into a startup and you're a young designer or, mm -hmm. or whatever, I'm an, I'm the only designer at the company. Um, how do I convince the company of the value of design, or how do I convince them to improve their design? Like, how do I? convince companies and, and people of the importance of upgrading the design uh, like how the design thinking and like embed it into the company structure uh -huh. and I think if I were to answer that question like like it's it, I can take like an instance where I joined the current job that I have so when a company looks for a designer, when they look for me in the beginning, uh, they look for a person who basically can make things pretty yes. uh, and find, find something who can make something that's very sparkly and, and a nice UI. And that's a designer. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing a designer needs to do uh, to convince a company the value of design and to, to do it is the uh, designer needs to scale themselves and help the company see 
more than the pretty pixels that they first think and first see. So like if the company wants a person to make pretty pixels, I mean, you can, I guess you can find that, uh, but you, if you want to convince the value of design, you want to see, do more than that. And yes. then you need them to see the process that it, that's involved in that and include the people in that process. So the entire company, include them in that. Help them see the value of user research. Like actually take them on the, like why, why is user research important? Because like, and what is user research, right? Is, is it like, it, it, what does it look like, really? Well, it looks like, you know, getting out and talking to customers and users, like in what way, like calling them up, actually meeting them. Uh, I don't know, like there's a lot of different ways, but thinking about it simplistically, user research, getting out and actually engaging users and talking to them. And it's surprising, like most companies don't even do that. And most companies try to avoid this. Like most companies don't want to do this. Like it's a liability uh, for companies. And I say, that's that's a shame really that it's it's very interesting that it's it's, it's, it's a huge loss it's a huge loss and i agree with that so so what so so going out and doing that as a designer just you don't you don't need the person to sign you off to do that you just can just engage yourself and do that find that information right and then doing storyboards and journeys and things like that like what are the people then going through like you talk to the customer you talk to the users that you have what are they going through all right, so they're going through things and what is working and what is not. And then you can basically map that out. Mm-hmm. Where is it going good and bad? So if you, for instance, say you have like an application, you have talked to the user, you have got like uh, input from various kind of users and, and so, so forth. And then you know what they're going through and what's working and what's not. And then you map that out in the kind of like, uh, you have these kind of like user, user journey mapping, you call it what you want. There's all kinds of names for it. But really it's all about like, for each instance, in the whole flow, what you're trying to put your users through, what is good and bad, and you can say you can put it like in terms of how they're feeling, what they're saying, etc. And once mm-hmm. you have this black and white on a map, you just take all the people in your company, you bring them into a room, and you show them this, and mm-hmm. what to, um, and and show them like, hey, this is what's happening, and then you can if you if you can also show this is my way of fixing it, low fidelity. Again, low risk because you're building a relationship with your company that you just came into as the only designer. So you just want to do something that's very low fidelity wireframes so that people feel that you can actually work together, like you're co-creating things, right? Hopefully, they will see the value in that and they will see like, this is not just a guy who makes things pretty. This is a person who actually creates our entire user experience and journey. And that's 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 uh, convincing. That's if you can't convince people of the value of the sign there, you have done a great job. But if they don't see the value in that, you should always leave for a company that finds that valuable. And I always say that if you if you if you if you're doing things really good and you think it through and you you kind of like talking to the user, the customer, making the mapping out, making the journey, making the good and bad, like the whole search cycle of it, and you align the company and the people, and you're doing it on a low fidelity level. Basically, you mean that you're doing it on a low risk level for the, everybody involved. If there's no value in that, then you should all, you should, you should leave. You should go to another company or to another client. It's really that simple. It's mathematics yeah. again. <laughs> it's, very, it's very simple. <laughs> zero, so, zero, oh, or one. Zero or one, right? So if you, if you if you're a designer, when you if at a company you try to convince someone the value or, or convince a client, the, I would I would probably do this. 
and answer mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Just uh, take the the other colleagues into the journey. Exactly. This, this is also what what is missing, and I also did uh, do notice this. Um, that people are requesting for for design for the research, but they are not um, very keen. That they, they, they don't understand what's behind, right? That you speak yeah. with the people. You 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 are testing a numbers of of um, prototypes. Uh, you learn what the people need, what the people expect, how they use it. So this is this is what we need to push and share with the with the others. Yeah, exactly. And if you, if you again take it to the uh, if you again take it to a mathematical level, you can then liken it to what's happening in development and tech, right? For yeah. designers, it's very easy. Everything in tech already exists. So what happens on the front end is very nice, but then what happens on the back end is really, really takes a lot of time. It's a lot of bump and grind. It's a lot of yes. testing. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of uh, functions, it's a lot of lambdas, it's a lot of different kind of complex architecture that can go into that. And uh, nobody ever sees that, nobody ever talks about that, but everybody in the business world understands and they know because they have seen features shipped and we need a lot of back-end work for this feature, for instance, or this, this product. So as a designer, you can do a parallel and say, well, the, the back-end of design is user research. It's plain and simple. And if you don't, if you build a product without a backend, <laughs> you got a product, but it's not going to function very well. Yeah, true, true. So, so this, is, this is our mission, if I can say like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's let's teach the people what is behind, below the water of the iceberg. Right, right. <laughs> right. So if you, if, you, if you can see that it's below the things that are pretty and the pixels, right? You, you are doing the backend of the design. That's pretty important stuff too. So I would it say, is. yeah, the value of design is, is all of that. Yes, it is. it is. That's true. Thank you. Thank you, um, Johan. Thank you for sharing your knowledge, um, experience with our listeners. Um, that was really, really interesting. And it was a pleasure to have you here to talking to you today. Thank you, Mike. It was my pleasure. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Great to, great to be on the show. Um, is there anything else um, you want to share uh, with our listeners? Um, anything I want to share? Yeah, I think, uh, well, I can share like one personal thing that might be of interest. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, people that I inspired by, like Leonardo da Vinci and so forth. Uh, my grandfather was one person that inspired me a lot. And uh, uh, one of the things that he all said to me that I always took uh, took into great stride and uh, it was very, very helpful for me is that he said that if you, if someone comes to you with a critique or says anything to you and if argues with you or shouts at you, do anything very emotional or whatever, you step back, let 24 hours pass. And then you engage that person again and ask, how, how is everything now? How is everything going? Because in the heat of the moment, when everything is just running around and it's all emotions, uh, it can become a different outcome than if you just wait 24 hours. So he said, just whenever that situation occurs to you, wait 24 hours and then go re-engage and come back and see what happens. And uh, I didn't try that when I was younger, but uh, it helped me a lot when I was, yeah, it helped me a lot to this day. For sure. And it probably can help you in design, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. For sure. Thank you. That's very wise advice. And yeah. your grandfather was very advice, a very wise person. 
yeah, I think so too. <laughs> he was very, he was very helpful <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you have learned a lot from him, definitely for sure. For sure, yes. Um, Johan, where people can find you, can connect you online um, in your social media website. Ah, great question. Yeah, I am terrible at social media, but uh, I have an Instagram <laughs> where I do only dancing. So if you look up there, you will only find salsa dancing and stuff like that. Because dancing is something I do on the free time. But uh, LinkedIn is probably the best. You can link in me. I can add you to the network talk there. And uh, I have a Behance page, uh, Adobe Behance. You can search my name, Johan Gladin. Uh, it's not super updated. I don't add a lot of cool stuff there, but it's stuff there. Um, but yeah, I say LinkedIn is the best. LinkedIn is the best place. Great, great. Thanks once again. Um, it was a great fun to have this um, interview with you. Thank you. Thank you, Marek. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Elite Crew, the software house that helps designers shape the world. If you need help with your project or want to consult technical matters, just drop us a message at EliteCrew.io. We'll be happy to help.